Welcome to Foundations of the Restoration podcast class. This is class number three, Claim Your Privileges in the Priesthood. So once again, our premise is that truth was restored in the order of its importance. That is a great commentary on what Heavenly Father values and what we should value. The foundation of my testimony should match the outpouring of truths in the restoration. So what came first? The very first thing that was restored in the restoration was the knowledge of Heavenly Father. The very first word out of Heavenly Father's mouth before he ever said, hear him. This is my beloved son. He called Joseph by name. The foundation of this restoration is that there is a Heavenly Father who knows us personally. And the whole point of the restoration is to reach out to him and connect with him on a personal level. Everything we're going to do, every foundation of the restoration, every circle we're going to add to this board is pointing back to this first circle, isn't it? What's the main purpose of the Book of Mormon? To teach us who God is and how to connect with Him. What then would you suppose is the purpose of priesthood? The purpose of priesthood is to connect us back with Heavenly Father. Let me show that to you first, and then I'll tell you where we're going to go with the foundation of priesthood. Let's start in Doctrine and Covenants section 84. Very, very common priesthood section, heavy priesthood section. Section 84. Again, what is the purpose of priesthood? Sorry, let me get there. 84. All right, in this little insertion, after he starts talking about the promises, the oath and covenant of the priesthood, and he starts mentioning the purpose of the priesthood back in the days of Moses. Let's go to verse... Uh, Just as a setting, let's start in verse 17. Which priesthood continueth in the church of God in all generations and is without beginning of days or end of years. The Lord confirmed a priesthood upon Aaron and his seed throughout all their generations, which priesthood also continueth and abideth forever with the priesthood which is after the holiest order of God. This greater priesthood administereth the gospel and holdeth the keys of the mysteries of God, even the key of the knowledge of God. Therefore, in the ordinances of the priesthood, the power of godliness is manifest. How do we unlock the power of God in our lives? Through priesthood ordinances. Now, the one thing I'm going to beg, by the end of tonight, I just hope that you will all, especially the females in the room, say priesthood is for me. I don't want anyone ever to say priesthood is for males. Priesthood is for me, every one of us. We are going to stop. We need to stop thinking that priesthood is the holding of an office. We'll do that tonight. I, whether male or female, unlock the power of godliness 
through the ordinances of the priesthood. Without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifested into, unto men in the flesh. For without this, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. Now, Moses tried desperately to teach this. Moses plainly taught to the children of man in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. But they hardened their hearts and couldn't endure his presence. Therefore, the Lord in his wrath, for his, his anger was kindled against them, swore that they would not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. So tell me what's the purpose of priesthood? The purpose of priesthood is to sanctify ourselves so that we can enter into his rest, which is the fullness of his glory. Fancy way of saying what, Liam? Fancy way of saying what? The whole purpose of priesthood is, how would you say it? Connect me to God. It's the whole reason why there's priesthood. Now, those of you who've been to the temple, the whole purpose of the temple is to end up where? In the Father's presence. To have the Father pull you into his presence. To embrace the Father. So, do you see how our tie? Every one of these circles has its main purpose to come back and connect me to Heavenly Father. That is the foundation of the restoration, is being connected to Heavenly Father. Now, we gotta have two discussions tonight. I don't know how to have both discussions in an edifying way in 45 minutes. So we're gonna try, and I'm gonna read you. And if it's, we're going too fast, slow down, we'll pause and we'll save the other discussion for another day. But the value of seeing them side by side is to understand I am living below my privileges when it comes to the priesthood. Now, let's talk President Nelson. Anyone know, anyone remember when President Monson passed away? When does President Nelson take over? January of 2018. So when would his first conference have been? When was the solemn assembly to sustain him for the first time? April of 2018 conference, right? Now, President Nelson announces a few changes, but he, the first talk he gives, his very first address as prophet was Saturday night priesthood session. Now, does anyone remember what he said? I will never, as long as I live, forget what a brand new prophet stood up and said. Turn with me to General Conference, April of 2018, if you want to follow along. 2018, General Conference, April 2018.
Actually, I want to go this direction. Okay, I'm going to pull this one up. Nope, not that one. Sorry. Let's pull this one up. April 2018. His very first general conference. His very first talk is in priesthood session. First address. Now, what would you expect him to say? He's going to say nice things about his predecessor, President Monson, right? They always do that. He's going to pay tribute to his predecessor, President Monson, which he does. And then after paying tribute, the brand new prophet says, Now, may I voice a concern? That's the first thing he teaches. May I voice a concern? What is the prophet's first main concern? What does he say, Liam? Too many of our brothers and sisters do not fully understand the concept of priesthood power and authority. Isn't that fascinating that the first concern of a new prophet is too many of us don't understand priesthood. We don't understand priesthood. Now notice what he said, too many of our brothers and sisters, far too many women don't understand their privileges when it comes to priesthood. And that's what he's, that's the first thing out of his mouth. Can I share a concern? Way too many of our males and females in this church do not fully understand. Now, what two words does he point out? We don't understand power and authority. We do not understand power and authority. He goes on to say, I fear that too many of our brothers and sisters do not grasp the privileges that could be theirs. Some of our brethren, for example, act like they do not understand what the priesthood is and what it enables them to do. A prophet says we're living below our privileges, males and females. So trying to correct that challenge, I want to have two discussions. Let me tell you where, what they are, and then we'll dive into them. The second discussion, what we'll do second, and I think we need to do it second, and you'll see why, is we practice two types of priesthood in the church. In the church, we practice hierarchical priesthood. For order's sake, the Lord has established a hierarchical priesthood. Tell me what hierarchical priesthood means. There's a structure. Have you ever watched the Quorum of the Twelve leave the conference center, the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve? How do they leave? Very aware of where they are in the structure, don't they? David Bednar will not leave the conference center until when? Everyone above him has left. There's a hierarchy in the church. Now that is only practiced in the church. 
we practice another priesthood in the home. And that's where a lot of confusion comes. People make the assumption that the priesthood we practice in the home imitates the priesthood we practice in the church, and that is false. The priesthood in the home is different than the priesthood in the church. And one of the reasons women are not taking their position is they're assuming that what happens in the church in the hierarchy applies to the home. Therefore, a woman's role is to let her husband preside. And that is a misunderstanding of patriarchal priesthood. Now, there is one other place we practice patriarchal priesthood. Can anyone name where it is? Besides the home, where do we practice patriarchal priesthood? In the temple. In the temple. Jade, can I pick on you? Jade came home from mission. I know she's endowed. I know Abby's endowed. What was the gender of the person who performed temple ordinances on you? Female. Female. Females perform ordinances for females. That's patriarchal priesthood. That's not hierarchical priesthood. Do you see that there's a difference? Now, because we are a church organization and when we talk about church, what church, what priesthood are we usually talking about when we're at church talking about priesthood? Hierarchical. We rarely have discussions in the church about patriarchal priesthood. Where should those discussions be had? We're not having them. We are not having patriarchal discussions in the home. Now, we'll get there. This is what I want to do this one second. So let me just kind of quiz you. Russell Nelson comes to my home who presides. Does he? Does the prophet preside in my home? He does not. Okay, Russell Nelson, with his wife, comes to my home. I'm not there. Russell Nelson is in my home, and my wife is there without me. Who presides? Who? Wife. My wife presides over Russell Nelson. That's patriarchal priesthood. And that's a vision we need to catch. catch. Now we're going to do that second. Because I think we need to have the hierarchical discussion first. Let's talk about this hierarchical priesthood and how it functions. So what I want to do is I want to break it rather than just kind of random. I want to do it this way. How did I decide I wanted to do it? I'm going to go this way. I want to talk about four words. So we'll do this word. That's too high. I need more room. Sorry. Let me erase that and we'll lower it. Okay. 
Okay, let me put the circle here, here, and here. Okay, so this is one, this is a second, this is a third, and that'll be our fourth. And you'll see why I, I draw it this way. So I wanna talk about four words. I think it's essential to define these four words in hierarchical priesthood. Word number one is office. The priesthood is broken into offices. Then keys. Now that we do speak of office holders, key holders, are men. But that is you're gonna, I, I'm gonna tell you is such a small part of the overall picture of priesthood. Essential that we have them. But what did President Nelson say his concern was? That we don't understand office and key? What did he say his concern was? Uh, power and authority. So this word is going to be authority. And the center word? Power. Those are the four words that are key components to hierarchical priesthood. Office, key holder, authority, and power. Okay, let's start here. Office. Let's split the priesthood into its two Melchizedek and Aaronic priesthoods. All right, Aaronic priesthood. How many offices are there in the Aaronic priesthood? Show me on your fingers. I'm going to quiz you a little bit. It's okay if you don't know. There's no shame in saying I got this wrong. Show me on your fingers how many offices there are in the Aaronic priesthood. Aaronic priesthood. Correct answer? Four. There are four offices in the Aaronic priesthood. Going from lowest, well, hierarchical lowest. Going from hierarchically the lowest, what's the lowest office? Deacon. Can't spell. There is an office of deacon. Now, office does provide authority. That is one source of authority. So name something a deacon has authority to do by virtue of his office. In our day, in our practice, a deacon can pass the sacrament. He has authority granted to him. Now, he doesn't have permission yet, but he has authority. The reason, the reason you know, I can't walk over there, well, the reason my nine-year-old son can't walk over there and pass the sacrament is he lacks the authority to do so because of an office. So being a deacon grants you authority to do certain things. Higher than deacon? Teacher. teacher. And higher than teacher? Priest. Now name an authority reserved for priests that deacons and teachers cannot exercise. Okay? A deacon and a teacher cannot bless the sacrament. Name another one. Baptism. A priest can baptize. A priest, by virtue of his office, can perform a baptism. Now, what's the other office? Bishop. That is an office in the Aaronic priesthood. The office 
of bishop. And the only way you can hold that, if all you have is Aaronic priesthood, the only way you can hold that office is to be a direct descendant of Aaron himself. Now, none of your bishops are probably direct descendants of Aaron. So how can they hold the office of bishop? Hierarchically, they can. The only way you can hold an office of bishop in just the Aaronic priesthood is if you're a descendant of Aaron. But since the Melchizedek priesthood is hierarchically higher than the Aaronic, can anyone in the uh, Melchizedek priesthood officiate in the office of a bishop? Yes, that's what we do today. Absent direct descendants of Aaron will will have Melchizedek priesthood holders officiate as a bishop. But that is an office in the Aaronic priesthood. Abby? Sorry, this is probably a ridiculous hypothetical, but say um, a Jewish person moved into your ward, would the bishop be released? No. No, because it would take it would take a key holder to recognize him as a direct descendant of Aaron. It would probably have to come from the prophet himself. Does does the Jew does the Jewish person hold priesthood? No. And what do you have to do to offer to exercise the office of bishop? You have to hold the Aaronic priesthood. If you don't hold the Aaronic priesthood. Even if you're a descendant of Aaron, guess what? So that's probably a millennial day thing we'll figure out. All right, let's move on to Melchizedek priesthood. How many, show me on your fingers, how many offices in the Melchizedek priesthood? How many fingers? It's okay if you don't know. It's okay. I don't want you to be embarrassed. You say, look, I don't know. I don't know the offices because it's not as important as understanding power and authority. How many offices in the Melchizedek priesthood are there? Correct answer, five. Five is the correct answer. Now, just so you know, just so you can, kind of a fun little statistic, not that. Let's see, Salt Lake Temple. Now, just for fun, This is the west side, which represents Aaronic priesthood. How many windows? Four. This is the east side, which represents Melchizedek. How many windows? Five. They did that on purpose to represent Aaronic priesthood and Melchizedek priesthood. Therefore, why is there a missing window there? Because Aaronic priesthood only has four offices. When they laid the cornerstone, it was Aaronic priesthood, Melchizedek priesthood, five and four, just kind of a fun little piece of trivia. So what are the five? Now this is where it's a little interesting hierarchically because one of them kind of is pulled out of the hierarchy. One of the five doesn't really hold a hierarchical place. So let's do the four that are hierarchical. What's the lowest office of the Melchizedek priesthood, hierarchically speaking? Elder. But an elder holds the Melchizedek priesthood. And the priesthood is greater than any of its offices. But there are things I can do because I hold the office of an elder. Holding that office grants some authority. Um, 
in the home, my wife presides with me. But my wife doesn't hold an office in the priesthood. So when it comes to giving blessings, who gives the blessings? I do as an exercise of the office that I hold. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But there is hierarchical priesthood coming into the home. Now, above elder is high priest. Above high priest, 70. And above 70, apostle. What office? To what office is Russell Nelson ordained? He is an apostle. What's his, what's his calling in the church? President of the, fir- president of the first presidency. But what's the office of his priesthood? What office does he hold? Apostle. There is no office higher than apostle. Now we're missing one, right? What's the non-hierarchical one? Patriarch. Now I'm going to put it over here, which is interesting. Let me tell you a little story. I taught Russell Nelson's grandchildren, at least four of them. And I asked all four of them if their grandpa had given them their patriarchal blessing. Every one of them had the same answer. Did your grandfather give you your patriarchal blessing? And every one of them said, no. I said, why not? And what was the answer? He's not a patriarch. He's not an ordained patriarch. Now, all of my children have received their patriarchal blessing from their grandfather. Because he is a patriarch. And I think even though Russell Nelson holds the office of apostle, what did he say to his grandchildren? Go to your patriarch. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky. Who has authority? Who has keys over the patriarch whose keys set apart the patriarch it used to be not anymore whose keys set apart the patriarch the stake president stake presidents can ordain a man to an office that they don't even hold Now, we'll talk about how that happens in just a minute. But do you see the offices? So my bishop in my ward is really two things at the same time. He's the president of the Aaronic priesthood and the presiding high priest. So what gives my priesthood, what gives my bishop the hierarchical authority in our ward? It's not this position as much as it's this position. Do you see how offices work? So, uh, out of curiosity, why is somebody ordained to high priest before they become a bishop? Because they cannot exercise... What's the main difference between these two? What's the main difference in authority between elder and high priest? Ooh, interesting. Stumped you. Why do we need high priests? Old Testament, tell me what the high priest did. 
the high priest was the hierarchical head, right? In our day, high priest, the office of high priest is administerial. If you're going to be stake presidency, high council, or in a bishopric, you have to hold the office of high priest. They are leaders in the ward organizations. Elders primarily do what? Serve and preach. So the reason we make a man a high priest in order to officiate in the office of a, high, of a bishop is because that office is mostly for leadership roles. I've been a high priest for... Twenty-six years, and the last time I exercised a single key of the office of high priest was 21 years ago. I just don't exercise the office, but I've been ordained to that office. So, make sense? Okay, so now let's talk about keys. Keys are the right to give permission. For example, I can go baptize my son. I hold the office of the priesthood necessary to baptize my son. But what if any father wanted to baptize their son whenever he wanted to? What kind of church would we have here? Chaotic, right? So what we do is we say, you may have the authority to baptize, but you don't have the permission. So the hierarchy is broken into those who grant the permission to exercise the authority. Liam? Uh, Seventy. So when does, my high, when does my stake president stop presiding? When a member of the 70 walks into the room. The 70 walks in, he presides over the high priest. And when do the 70 stop presiding? when an apostle is present. That's hierarchical priesthood. So keys are the permission. Let me give, President Nelson gives a great example in the world. He finished medical school and had all the knowledge to perform operations. Does that mean he can just set up an office in the corner and start performing operations? He has the knowledge, but he shouldn't perform any operations until when? He has permission from the powers in our society that says this is someone who can perform operations. So he had the medical degree. He had the knowledge, but there's no way he's going to perform operations until what happens. There's the permission. So in our church, key holders are the ones that grant the permission to exercise authority. The key holders are the presidents of all the offices. That's how you determine a key holder, is you are the president of one of these office quorums. So let's list the key holders. There's only a handful of key holders in the church. In my ward, there's probably eight, no, uh, the stake president lives in my ward, so we'll count him. Stake president. There's probably five key holders in my whole ward. 
And that's because the stake president lives in my ward. Most wards would probably have only four key holders. So clearly, key holders is a minor exercise of priesthood. But who are the key holders in the church? Hierarchically, let's list the key holders. Bottom, the deacons, quorum, president. Now, here's the funny thing is when the deacons get together, who's in the room? Some adults are in the room. Who's in charge? Are the adults in charge? The president of the deacons quorum has more authority than all the adults, unless it's the bishop in the room. But who presides in a deacons class? The second counselor in the first, in the bishopric? Or the deacons quorum president? The deacons quorum president presides. He has the keys. Can you just show up and take whatever number you want to pass the sacrament? You can't. It's not how we pass sacrament. You are assigned which role by the key holder. Okay, hierarchically, who would be the next key holder? The teacher's quorum president. The teacher's quorum president has keys. He assigns, he grants permission. All right, who would be next? The priest quorum president has another title in our wards. The president of the priest quorum is the bishop. So we do have a bishop. The bishop is the president of the priest of the priest quorum and therefore has all keys over the Aaronic priesthood. All right, who would be the next key holder? So we've got this one. These two are really combined. So key holder, key holder, key holder. The next key holder would be an elders quorum president. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it over here. Because for order's sake, we designate the bishop as the presiding high priest in the ward. So that designation is kind of given to him by the stake president. The stake president designates him as presiding high priest. Therefore, the bishop is over the elders quorum in that sense. But in the sense that the bishop is supposed to focus on the Aaronic priesthood, the elders quorum president would be a little bit above him. So you take care of the elders and I'll take care of the priests. But the elders quorum president is a key holder. All right, so we've got that office, that office, that office, that office. What is the title of the high priest quorum president? Stake president. The stake president is the key holder of the high priest quorum. How many quorums of high priests are there in each stake? One. There's multiple elders quorum and each one has a president, but there is only one high priest quorum in a stake and the president is the stake president. So the stake president is the president of the Melchizedek priesthood at the local level. Everywhere the stake president goes in that stake, he would preside. He is the key holder. What's that? except in my house, because that's not a function of the church. So let me throw out a couple scenarios. Ready? Um, 
they asked the old man to pass the sacrament one week. Tell me the offices and the keys involved. I, I've, you know, I, I'll do it. Okay, Brother Dunford, you're number seven. So I sit down and I'm going to be number seven. Okay, tell me office and key. What's going on? I can sit there by virtue of the office that I hold under the deacon's quorum president's keys. I am passing the sacrament under whose keys? The deacon's quorum president. Now, whose keys authorized the old man to step in and do it one time instead of the young man? The bishop's keys. He granted permission to do that. Okay? Have the sacrament at home. During COVID, I performed the sacrament at home. Could I do that on my own? Nope. Tell me what would happen. Tell me about office and key here. I exercised the office of priest under whose keys? The bishop's keys. The bishop, as my key holder, granted me the authority to exercise this office to bless the sacrament. And my sons passed it around holding their offices. See how it works? Okay, that's office and keys. What about the primary president? The bishop authorizes her to be a primary president. She holds no office. So what is the primary president exercising when her key holder says, go be the primary president? She is exercising authority. Authority comes when a key holder grants you permission and you have the office to do so, if it's necessary to have an office. So every person who has a calling in the church, when they perform their calling, is exercising authority. Jade was just a missionary. Did she exercise priesthood authority? Did she have authority to preach the gospel? Now, who gave her that authority? Her what? Her stake president before she left. Who ministered over her? Whose keys guided and directed her in the exercise of that authority? Her mission president. Do you see how keys work? But did she walk into the door? When she knocks on a door and enters a house, is she exercising priesthood authority? Yes or no? Absolutely. For 18 months, that female exercised priesthood authority. Do you have rights when you are exercising authority? Does the exercise of priesthood authority bring with it certain rights? Now back to President Nelson. 
What might he be referring to when he said, too many of our brothers and sisters do not fully understand the concept of priesthood authority. Think about it. Do you know my calling? I have the best calling in the church. Best calling in the church. I am the primary music leader. I lead the children in primary. Now, who directs me? Who has authority over me? The primary president, a female. I do my calling under whose authority? The primary presidents. Now, I have watched sometimes the primary president has an aggressive male, let's aggressive male who wants to tell her what to do. Should she listen? Because she has authority. And there needs to come a confidence. There needs to be a claiming. There needs to be an owning. I have authority here. Um, in my ward, there's a little bit of a controversy. The other music leader is kind of pushing the boundaries and telling the primary president what music to perform for our primary program. She's telling the president what to do. Now, at first, the primary president was, okay, let's all be happy. And then I watched a marvelous thing happen. Do you know what the primary president did? You're smiling, right, Bella? Can you tell me what happened? She claimed her authority. Not in a prideful sense, not in an I'm better than you, but I have authority here. And where did her authority come from? The bishop's keys granted her authority in that primary. And everyone else in that whole organization is under whose authority? Hers. And so as a male, who has authority over me? A female. A female is exercising priesthood authority over me, and I love it. You tell me what to do, President. You tell me what to do, because in this primary, I don't have authority. You do. Do you see there? There needs to be that claiming and ownership. I have authority. Now, what if it's not a calling? What if it's a temporary thing? Let's suppose the bishop asks Abby to speak on Sunday. And I know Abby's a little timid and quiet and shy, and she's probably going to stand up there all nervous and uncomfortable until she does what? A key holder has given me an assignment. Therefore, what does she have at that podium? Authority. Priesthood authority. I have priesthood authority. I claim it. And the Spirit is going to respect it as I speak. Do you see maybe what he was talking about? We don't claim the authority that's ours. Can I give you an example? 
When I started teaching seminary, I was sent to a small little town in Arizona. It was a little LDS community out in the middle of nowhere, and I was the seminary teacher, and I was, I was on the high council. That's when I became a high priest. I was 24 years old, and I was a high priest. And, but he put me in charge of education and seminary, and one day he said we had a problem <clears throat> with masturbation in the state. He says, I want to gather all the young men. I want to gather all the Aaronic priesthood holders, and I want to have a change-your-life kind of discussion on sexual morality. And Bryce, I want you to teach them. It was like, do you know how awkward that is for me, President? I'm their seminary teacher. They're going to see me the next day in seminary. And he wanted me to stand up there and teach in a very powerful way about sexual morality for a young man. So I stood up and said, I need everyone to understand that I am here under his authority. This man has keys and has asked me to speak. I am not in charge, but he is in charge. And so I am here exercising the authority of the priesthood of his keys. And I am going to claim that authority and teach as powerfully as I can under his keys. Do you see what was going on? A key holder asked me to fulfill an assignment and I claimed the rights and the privileges. Now, what's part of the privileges of the, having that assignment? What should I expect of the Holy Ghost if his keys granted me authority to do that? The Holy Ghost is going to tell me what to say. And as I speak, they're going to feel the power of it, not because of me personally, but because of the authority of the priesthood. Now, could I have done that as a female? Could a female have stood up and done, done that same thing? Absolutely. Do you understand power? Or sorry, authority? Authority grants you certain privileges. When a key holder gives you an assignment, you are exercising priesthood authority. Claim it. Expect heaven's help in the process. I can just picture Jade knocking on the door, knowing that heaven was honoring her and was going to be there to protect her, to tell her what to say, to tell her where to go. That wasn't her individually, was it? And it wasn't because she held an office. It's because a key holder gave her an assignment and that granted her priesthood authority to be there. And heaven recognized and respected that authority. I wonder if part of what you're missing, Jade, is that's gone now. And you feel it, don't you? It's not that heaven doesn't love her anymore. It's just that she no longer has that authority. And you're feeling the absence of something, aren't you? That is a very real thing, is to hold priesthood authority. Own it. Claim it. 
almost demand it that I have been given authority and I'm going to expect heaven's help. Now there's one word left. What's the word? Now, may I suggest that if any of you Melchizedek priesthood holders lay your hands upon someone's head and say, by the power of the Melchizedek priesthood, you are doing something inappropriate. You are not doing it by the power of the priesthood. You are doing it by the authority of the priesthood. Let me correct a misunderstanding. Authority is not power. And power is not authority. Joseph Smith taught that many were called and few are chosen. The gist of that he was trying to teach was what? Just because you have authority doesn't mean you have power. Claim your authority. But just because you have authority doesn't mean you have power. So where does power in the priesthood come from? It does not come from office. It cannot be granted by a key holder. And just because you have authority does not mean you have power. Where does power in the priesthood come from? Turn, turn to Doctrine and Covenants section 121. Let's finish that whole many are called but few are chosen section. Starting in verse 34, 121, starting in 34, many are called but few are chosen. And why are they not chosen? Because their hearts are set so much upon the things of this world and aspire to the honors of men that they do not learn this lesson. The reason you're not chosen is you didn't learn the lesson. You didn't learn the lesson. The church has not learned the lesson. That's what I heard President Nelson say. This church has not learned this lesson. What is the lesson we haven't learned? that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon the principles of right. What was the aha, Liam? Power comes from what? Righteousness. Power, com power comes from heaven, but what claims the power? Righteousness. You have power based on righteousness. Power comes from righteousness. Now, if we ever abuse it, amen to the... He says the word authority here, but what does he really say is is no longer what don't you have if you misuse it you you don't have power power comes from righteousness now ready here's the great aha moment 
Do you have to hold an office to exercise power in the priesthood? That is one of the great truths of the universe. Let me show you something fascinating. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith fame. Hebrews chapter 11, Paul, yes, I believe Paul is writing Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, Paul is paying tribute to all these wonderful faith holders. And this is kind of the faith hall of fame. I love Hebrews 11, but there's this funny phrase in 11. Look at all the, look at all, we're just going to parade all the great faith holders. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Abraham, all these beautiful faith, Isaac, Jacob. And then right in the middle of all of this is this fascinating phrase. Women received their dead, raised to life. Ready? Here's an odd, fascinating thing. Everywhere someone is raised from the dead, there's a woman present. Every single time someone is raised from the dead, the only exception is the bones of Elijah, which is a different story. But every time someone is raised from the dead, there's a woman present. Can you think of them? Old Testament. Elijah raises the widow's son. Jairus' daughter, who was there? His mother. At the tomb of Jesus, who was there? Mary. Elijah? No, Eli or, um, Lazarus? Martha and Mary. I wonder... I wonder if the power to do the miracle came from the righteousness of the woman. Not Jesus, of course. I have often given blessings to my children. I give the blessing because why? Because I hold an office. But I have wondered how many times the miracle and the healing was because of the righteousness of my wife. Power comes from righteousness. And you can't fool God. If you hold an office, if you receive an assignment, doesn't give you power. You've watched a lot of people give sacraments talks. They all do it with authority. But have you ever watched someone give a sacrament talk with power? What gave them that power? Their righteousness. You've all heard a lot of priests bless the sacrament. They all do it with authority. Have you ever heard someone bless the sacrament with power? 
Where did that power come from? Their righteousness. Now, let's go back to President Nelson. Maybe you can see what he was saying. It is, my concern is this. Too many of our brothers and sisters do not fully understand the concept of priesthood power and authority. In the days of Joseph Smith, there were some women who laid their hands upon someone and blessed them. And there was a miracle. And they asked Joseph, is that appropriate? Is that appropriate for women to lay their hands? And Joseph taught that, no, they may not have the office, but then he pointed out that God respected the miracle. God sent the miracle, therefore you can't argue with God saying something good really happened here. And I think what he was teaching, no, she didn't lay her hands upon him as an elder of the Melchizedek priesthood. But her righteousness brought power. And could she? Could she bring a miracle with that power? You better believe she can. Did she really need to lay her hands upon him? No. Was it a problem that she did? No. She wasn't exercising an office. She wasn't exercising authority. She was exercising power that came from her faith and her righteousness. You can have power in the priesthood. But that comes from principles of righteousness. Liam? So if you get prompted to do something, would it be out of, right, like it's out of righteousness, right? Yeah. If you get prompted to do something, would that be the same as like, like this same concept, right? You're doing righteousness, you get power from heaven? Yes. Now, again, we got to understand the rules. For example, let's suppose I have a near-death experience and I feel prompted to tell everyone about the afterlife. Do you see something wrong with that? Who has authority to declare the doctrine of the afterlife? Not me. I don't have that authority. So I need to be careful. There's a balance in the church. If I write a book and say, hey, everyone, there's the doctrine of the I'm stepping way too far. But if I were to say, can I share an experience that I've had under the proper circumstances and everyone feels the power of my, ex is that okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how many miracles came because of authority versus how many miracles came because of power? And you don't have to hold an office. Do you see why we rejoice that the priesthood is on earth? Now, I would, love, I would hope to think that when Jade knocked on those doors, not only did she have power, or sorry, not only did she have authority in the priesthood, but the way I know she was living her life brought what else? Power. And she was doing incredibly things with the priesthood. I would pray that every one of you for the rest of your life understands that many of us
do not grasp the privilege that could be ours. When you are given an assignment by a key holder, claim the authority that is yours to do it. But more than that, every day of your life, claim power. Can power help you with homework? Can priesthood power help you with homework and personal problems and financial challenges and health problems? Now, again, are we here to have a perfect life? Or are we, gonna, it, we can't defy the principles of mortality and say, Heavenly Father, I want to exercise my power and clean up every problem in my life. It's not going to happen. But can you bring power into your life temporally, financially, in every way by claiming the privileges of exercising the power of heaven by your righteousness? The very fact that the priesthood is here on earth grants you an opportunity to exercise power. And you don't have to hold an office. And if you do hold an office, it's not your office that matters. It's your righteousness that matters. Of that I testify and pray that you will claim your privileges. But I remind you, way too many people have not learned the lesson that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon principles of righteousness. May that power be yours is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Foundations of the Restoration podcast class. This has been class number three, Claim Your Privileges in the Priesthood.